So this morning, we have this story from Mark uh, about Jesus' time in the wilderness. And it is typically Mark Markan is the is the technical term. You like if you're if you're describing something from the Gospel of Mark, you'll say the Markan way of of doing something or saying something. And so the Markan version of telling a story is to tell it really really directly and to the point with very few adjectives. And if you read the Gospel of Mark, you'll you'll find that a lot of the sentences begin with and or they'll begin with immediately or right away. So Mark has a very um, active gospel. He doesn't waste a lot of time on describing things. He's just sort of like, he's a bullet points kind of guy. So this happened, then this happened, then this happened. So in Matthew and Luke, the story of Jesus going into the wilderness has extra details, right? Like there's the story of how Satan comes to Jesus and says, all right, so uh, if you worship me, I'll give you this. Um, or if you're supposed to, if you're the son of God, why don't you try turning these stones into bread? Or why don't you... Um, uh, jump off a cliff because the angels will catch you, right? There's none of that in Mark. Mark is just, he went into the desert, Satan tempted him, there were wild animals and there were angels. Next. And I actually really like this because it's, it's just so matter of fact. And what I also love is that this story comes right after the story of Jesus' baptism. So last week, we had Jesus um, being baptized by his cousin John in the River Jordan, and uh, as he emerges from the river, um, he sees the Holy Spirit descending upon him like a dove. And then immediately from that, he goes, the Spirit drives him into the wilderness, is how Mark writes it. I think that's fascinating. I think that that is so interesting that Mark puts together the baptism and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus and um, the words from heaven in which God says, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased, and then boom, straight into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. And I think sometimes in... Um, Christian life, certainly probably in the teachings of the church, uh, we have made the mistake of thinking that once you're baptized, you should be perfect. Like you should be, you should have no problems resisting any kind of temptation. You should find it no problem to be a good person all the time, right? If you're a Christian, you've got some kind of sticker on your forehead. You've got some kind of invisible shield around you that just says, oh, bad thoughts, they just bounce off me. I'm never tempted to, you know, I never swear at drivers who cut me off. I'm never tempted to eat more than I should. I'm never tempted to, you know, say things I oughtn't to my sister-in-law, you know, we're never supposed to do that stuff. But according to Mark, that's not the way it works. According to Mark, you have your baptism. God tells you that you are God's beloved child with whom God is well pleased. And then the hard stuff happens. Then you go into the wilderness. Then you wrestle with the wild animals and with Satan. And let's talk about Satan for a second, because um, 
because a it's you know why not it uh but also b we don't talk about satan or the devil um a heck of a lot in the united church is my experience and i think i think that's because part of that is that is that we don't want to have a, a message of you know look out the devil's coming for you or you better be good right like we don't want to use the devil as the kind of monster under the bed where you know if you don't eat your vegetables the devil's gonna get you um and i think also we've got a bit of a history in the last maybe 50 years in in the united church and and other churches too of 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 kind of thinking that the devil is maybe right that that it's that's kind of for people who don't know any better who don't know science you know um who don't understand psychology you know but we can explain stuff that happens in the world so we don't have to talk about the devil but the word satan the name satan actually means um the adversary or the enemy and I don't know if I necessarily believe that there is a, a conscious force of evil in the world, right? I don't know if I believe that there's some being who's, who's plotting, you know, kind of rubbing their hands together like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons and saying, you know, mwahahaha, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, try, I'm gonna try this one on. But I think it's very clear that there is evil in the world. And I think sometimes the presence of evil is just bigger than we can understand. And I think in that case, it's really useful to have a name for it, right? There is just something in the world that doesn't seem to want things to be well. And so whether it's conscious or not, I think there is something in the world that that sometimes we just have to say this exists and you know um, children get abused and women are trafficked and um, politicians take bribes and um, private companies try to own the rights to rainwater, you know, like they're, they're just sometimes there are things in the world that happen. But I think the other really useful uh, way of, of using the idea of Satan or the adversary or maybe demons is actually within our own selves. So this week, on Thursday, the 28th, it's um, Let's Talk Day from Bell Canada. And I think this is, this is probably at least the fifth year they've been running this, maybe a bit more. But this is um, an annual event in which uh, Bell um, deliberately tries to open up uh, conversations about mental health and mental well-being. And it's always seemed to me that the wilderness that Jesus goes into, the wilderness in biblical stories, is a really helpful way of thinking about our own inner selves as well. In this society of ours, 
um, I don't know about you, but certainly I, I don't tend to wrestle with a lot of outside forces that are trying to make my life difficult, right? So, so I don't, um, I'm not afraid that there's gonna come a knock on the door in the middle of the night. I'm not afraid about coming to my place of worship. I'm not afraid that I'm gonna be persecuted by anybody for, for being Christian and being open about it. Um, I'm not afraid that, uh, you know, my brother, because of the color of his skin, is going to be um, pulled over by police while he's driving and might get shot. Um, there's a lot of things I just don't fear because of who I am and what I look like and where I live. But there's a lot of things that I carry inside. And in this society of ours, um, anxiety and depression have been on the rise for a while. And in, a, in this COVID time, they are especially acute, right? Like this has been a long slog of not gathering here in church, not being able to hug your grandkids, not being able to play cards with friends not being able to do a lot of ordinary everyday things that keep us connected, that keep us human, that keep us feeling like we belong, like we have hope. And so in this time of being physically distant, there can be a lot of internal suffering. And so when we speak of Satan in this story, I think that, that the enemy, the adversary, demons, these are really helpful terms for the voices that can come up inside. Um, and I have experience with those voices. Three years ago, I got diagnosed with depression. And that changed my life. Because I had always thought that if you were depressed, it meant that you were not at all functional, right? Like you couldn't get out of bed, you couldn't get yourself in the shower, you couldn't cook for yourself, you just couldn't function. And I was functioning, so I thought, well, I can't be depressed. But when I went to see um, my GP, what she said is, look, there's lots of people who function just fine, but carry a lot of stuff inside. And for me, it was just this constant tape, this constant loop inside my head saying, um, you suck, you're failing, you're not good enough, whatever you're doing, it's insufficient. And that's exhausting. And it's incredibly painful. And if it goes on long enough, that's the kind of voice that leads people to a place of being suicidal. Right? Because nobody actually wants to die. It's just that the pain they are carrying within is so acute and that they see no end to it, right? All they can see is like a long stretch of days ahead of them of this kind of pain that dying seems like the only option to put an end to the suffering. So I suspect that you are fairly self-sufficient, self-reliant, independent people, right? Um, farming, 
your neighbors are not particularly close. They're there and they'll lend a hand, but you know, there's no one around the corner. So if the combine breaks down, you better have an idea of how to try and fix it. And with this kind of weather, um, you know, you better be able, hopefully you're able to shovel your own driveway and um, if, you know, look out for your own neighbors, but there's not a lot of stuff around, right? There's not a lot of um, government services around. And very possibly if you're in a small town or if you're in a, or if you're a farmer, you like it that way, right? You like being self-reliant. You like um, being capable and fixing your own problems. But sometimes we can't fix our own problems. Sometimes the problems are inside our own heads or carried on our own hearts. And I don't think that is something to try and power through. My mom's English. I come from an English heritage and we have a long history of having a stiff upper lip, right? And just pulling up your bootstraps and getting on with it. And sometimes that's a survival mechanism that will really see you through. And sometimes it won't. And so I chose one Psalm 139 to read today as well, because what Psalm 139 tells us is that there is nowhere we can go where God does not come as well, right? There's whether we try and run away to the farthest edges of the world, and plenty of us in faith will try and do that. Or whether we make our bed in the, whether we descend to the depths. Some translations have that phrase as whether I go down into hell. Wherever we are, God is with us. And whatever suffering we are carrying, God is with us. And one of the lies that our voices will tell us or that the adversary will tell us is that it is our fault that we are suffering, it is our fault, we are in pain, we should just try harder, we should just have a stiffer upper lip, um, and that nobody wants to hear about it. And the voices will tell us that God is not well pleased with us. But that's a lie. It's really a lie, friends. When we go into the wilderness of our own minds and our own souls, God is with us. And we do not have to pretend to have it all together. We do not have to be our shiny, perfect selves. When we are a puddle on the bathroom floor, God will lie down with us and hold us. When we are falling apart, God will gather up the pieces of our minds and our souls and hold them so tenderly. And when we feel like we can't do it alone, God will be with us when we pick up that hundred pound phone and phone a friend or a neighbor and say, you know what? I'm having a really tough time right now. It takes courage to go into the wilderness. It takes courage to say, to come face to face with whatever is dogging our footsteps. It takes courage to be vulnerable, but that vulnerability will save us.
When we come together as a community, it's not so that we can pretend to one another that we're perfect or we're doing great. And I suspect that living in a small town, you can't pretend that everything is great and that you're perfect because your neighbors see your life and know what is happening. I don't think there's merit in suffering alone. When, because in our, in our origin story, in Genesis, when God creates the world, God calls everything good. But the only time that God says it is not good is in Genesis 2, when God says it is not good for the human to be alone. We were created to be in relationship. We were created to be vulnerable with one another. We were created to walk this path with one another. And so, friends, as, as self-reliant as you are, as independent and self-sufficient and capable, as resilient and resourceful and creative as you are, we do not get through any of this alone. We let God carry us, and we let each other carry us. Don't be afraid of the wilderness. Don't be ashamed when you're struggling. Do not let your own suffering tell you that God has stopped loving you. Because there is no place you can go. There is no way you can be. There is no self you can offer to God that is not received with love and grace. Thanks be to God. <laughs>